Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You have questions about this Vikings defensive line group? We all do. Why is that? They don't have a lot of top-end talent. But what they do have is very solid players. Solid depth. How does that equate to a good defensive line? And how can things go sideways, especially with the new addition of Brian Flores? Let's take a look here on The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Managing Editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of the good, the bad, and the hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. As well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, top right corner is producer Dave. We apologize for the show being a day late. I got to adopt Eclair finally yesterday. And if you have seen my social media, you have seen pictures and videos. And she's a six-year-old French bulldog, and she was used as a breeding dog for her entire life. So she's still learning some things, but we're very happy to have her. And Odie loves having a friend to play with. It's It's been quite an eventful 24 hours, let me tell you. But they are having a blast. Welcome to the show. We're going to talk about the defensive line group today. And we are sponsored by, well, me and Dave. <laughs> if, if you want to sponsor the show or if you know somebody who might be interested in sponsoring the show, please give us a ring. You guys know how to reach me at the Real Forno on Twitter. Uh, in there is um, on my profile is included my email and you can send that to us and we will get in contact with you and see what we can do. And if you don't want to sponsor the show, but just want to donate money because we're good people, my Venmo is at 408. <laughs> well, hopefully I'm, we I, get, get it set up to do the, do whatever those things they call where you can donate money. If you wish to, we're not asking for it, but if you wish to, um, that's in the future, but yeah. this is the now, and we have Vikings news to talk about. Yes, we do. If you haven't seen them, and I already know Dave because Dave is a tremendous producer. He's already got a graphic ready to go for it. The no, Vikings, I don't. <laughs> Dave, Dave, I set you up, I hype you up, and then somehow, for the first time in a long time, you find a way to let me down. Hey, it happens. I was just, I was enjoying them too much that I didn't peel, <laughs> peel off one of the images 
to post up there. And okay, if you're so- curious what we're talking about, let Tyler explain. The Vikings classic. This is a new throwback jersey. It's fantastic. What what they tell you is that it is a essentially a modern day version of the 1962 jersey worn by the the Minnesota Vikings in their second year of existence. What your eyes are going to tell you is that this gives incredibly massive vibes from the 1998 Vikings jerseys, which in essence are an updated version of that 1962 jersey. The one major difference that was not on the 98 jersey was the shoulder stripes. That was much more elongated. You had one here and then one down here. You had some white in the middle. I could go into my closet, which is literally 10 feet away, and grab one and show you, but I don't want you to not have to look at this beautiful face. So, <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's very much like the 62 ones where it's the, the three stripes, the multicolor stripes on the sleeve. They're moved up. Where the 62 one, it had the stripes and then the numbers on the sleeve. Move well, the stripes up to where the numbers are and throw the numbers up on top of the shoulder. The reason why they moved it down. Hold on, hold on. Is the number on top of the shoulder? Because I did not see that in any of the shots that we were um, privileged to have seen. And the new one, the classic that they're going to wear this year, it's stripes right here, number right here. Okay, I didn't see the number at all. Um, oh, yes. I'll have to. Oh, yes, it's there. Odie is barking at Eclair right now. Um, Dr. Proto, I saw what you just put in the chat. I'm so sorry to hear that. It's an incredible blessing to have a dog and give them everything that you can for as long as you can. But uh, saying goodbye is just gut wrenching. So I, 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 I feel for you, man. I really do. Oh, there are the numbers. I'm an absolute idiot. Okay, cool. So, well, the reason why I bring that up is because people like me, uh, my formative Vikings years, like I started watching the team when Warren Moose was quarterback. I don't know if you can tell. It's it's kind of hard. But <laughs> when you look- the same, almost the same jersey as the moon jersey behind you, except for move the, yeah. the stripes up and roll the number up onto the shoulder. Yeah. The, and then the moon outline the numbers cool. in yellow. But the weird thing is, I don't think that's the exact jersey that Moon wore. Um, I think that's so the it, the one that Moon wore is a little different. It's it's got the number one right on the the front of the shoulder, and then it's got a little bit of a stripe. But that's a full blown retro versus what they actually wore. Um, it's what he wore in 94 was closer to retro. What he wore in 95 was essentially the Randy Moss Jersey. This is a much more concise version of what 1962 was much more accurate representation. Um, Other than the numbers, because the numbers in 62 were just plain white. They didn't have the yellow outline. Big thing here is these jerseys freaking rule, man. Oh, they're uh, sweet. Pretty bad jersey unveils. The Atlanta Falcons a couple years ago. Atrocious <laughs> jersey. It, uh, like, with all, without trying to disrespect the designers because they were just doing what they were told, it looked like a fifth grader created them on Microsoft Paint. It, what, no originality, <laughs> blocky. It just looked bad. But these, is a true throwback to one of the greatest eras of any franchise in NFL history. And it still pays homage to those like 1998 to 2000 Vikings, which were incredibly exciting. They won in those three years, 36 games and the sixties and seventies. It was the two winning, you know, premier eras of the Vikings. And the most important part is, they look awesome. They're tremendous. Uh, I, I can't wait I, to get I, one. I'm a huge fan of these jerseys. I'm very excited. I hope we're able, like I'm able to get one. Um, we kind of spent a, a lot on the adoption because it wasn't a, Hey, go to a humane society, pay 200 bucks and walk out with an animal. It was a little more than that, but yeah, versus I, going, I, Hey, there's a new Jersey. I need to spend 200 bucks. <laughs> that's something I would probably get framed just because it's so freaking nice and the jerseys we have now are great 
but I think these should be the, the permanent jerseys. And there are a lot of people that agree that these should be the permanent jerseys. And for good reason. Take a look. They're beautiful. Um, they are excellent. They're clean. They're crisp. They're detailed. Everything that you want out of these jerseys, you're getting. And I I can't speak uh, enough, highly enough about them. And I highly recommend that you, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. But we're not here to talk about the jerseys. Oh, we, hold on. We, we're not finished yet. That was just the jersey. Because Davey talks about the helmet. The helmet is a modern take on the old-time helmet, too, Davey. It's got the gray face mask. It's got the old horn, not the new one. Mm-hmm. There's no black outline. It's just the white with the yellow around the edge. It's a little mm-hmm. bit longer where it comes to the tips in the back. It's the old old horn on the modern helmet. But it's got the gray face mask. That looks sharp. The pants are like the old pants. They've got the wider stripes, purple, yellow, purple, and they're wider. It, it It's a sharp, sharp uniform. And if you watched any of the videos, go to Vikings.com. They have them all. The players were just astounded. They loved it. And CJ Ham wanted to take it home that day and keep it. And the equipment manager was like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really cool, um, Dave. I'm gonna I have to go check on the dogs because they decided okay. to not come up here. So I I will turn it over to you. Frame this for me. Uh, the defensive line room. It's a very interesting group. Oh, it is, without a doubt. The defensive line group. Right now, we're looking at starters that are expected to be Kyrus Tonga, Harrison Phillips, and Dean Lowry. Believe it or not, for your front three. Tonga probably in the middle at nose tackle in the zero technique spot. And then Phillips and Lowry on the other two sides is your defensive ends. It's weird to say that, but that's the technical term in a 3-4. And then you have all the backups. Ross Blacklock. Um, You have, let's see, who else was there Um, that could make it that have talent, but just aren't there. It says a Otomewo. That's always hard to see. Otomewo. Um, is another one, young player. You have Jonathan Bullard, another one. And you have the new rookie, draftee, Jacqueline, Jaqueline Roy, who looks like, to me, it's going to be secret. Say hi, Eclair. Okay. There, there's the What's Eclair. Does she mind held as much as Odie? <sighs> You don't have your headsets on. Does he clear mind is held as much as Odie does? Uh, she don't like it. Um, okay. But she's also a rescue. She's she's six. She's she's learning how to be a dog. Um, <laughs> it's really sad, but she's already acting like a puppy. They're wrestling right here, right now. I don't know if you can hear, but. She's rolling around. He's trying to hump, but he has no balls. She has no uterus. So it's like, why are you trying to hump? The, nothing's going to happen. They got nothing but on I, both ends. I, yes. I think Odie's just trying to establish dominance because this is his home. But he's been very nice to her. They they woke me up at 630 and they played for four hours before passing out for like three. Just nuts. It's okay. Nuts. All right. So I apologize for interrupting and leaving but uh what were you going on about before i came right back oh i broke down who the starters are and who the backups were were and that jaqueline roy is probably the secret weapon that we need to start thinking about that may stay step up and make a difference all right well let's start here who did you call the starters kiris tonga harrison phillips and dean lowry i would agree um i Anybody who says that it's not going to be Kyrus Tonga, I think is mistaken because Harrison Phillips is not a two gapping defensive tackle. He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the strength. He has the quickness to be able to like really shoot a gap at his size and hold a block, but he can't hold a center and then be able to either go or go. 
Which you have to be able- in a guard as he's mm-hmm. double teamed. Yeah. That's not I his mean, game. He's done it before, but he's that's not his primary skill set. I, I, I mean, they've all played zero tech at one point in time. But and I, I think he can play zero tech on passing downs, but I also think that's where Kyrus Tonga is going to be at his best because of what kind of pass rusher he showed himself to be last year and how he can be really quick off the ball and be able to penetrate and shoot a gap. That's going to serve him incredibly well, Dave. And I'm very excited to kind of see what that future looks like for him. Mm-hmm. I do think Harrison Phillips' abilities are going to translate really well. Oh, excuse me. You're playing a five technique or a four eye. So the five technique was a position that Daniel Hunter often played when he was in Mike Zimmer's defense. The five technique lines up literally right in front of the tackle. So if you see me, the tackle's right here. Like head to head. Boom. You see my finger? Ooh, how pretty helmet is that finger? Right? Yeah. Um, I ignore Not my finger. Shoulder. Just... Helmet to helmet. The four eye is going to be straight in front of the tackle on their inside shoulder. That's the four eye. So it's essentially the same thing, but the alignments will change minorly depending on how your gap assignments and what you're trying to do with the front, especially if you're trying to do something like a stunt, if you're sending a blitz, that that is when that distinction will matter. Outside of that, four eye and five technique are essentially the same. Like it, It's just, it, it's a super minor distinction that'll change like rules. It's kind of like algebra where if X equals this, then Y has to equal this. Uh, that's kind of how defense is done. And Raymond talking about eating and a Claire. Look, uh, you know, what's funny. My wife's aunt Lori's birthday was yesterday. Uh, she did not turn 29, but I, I'm nice. She turned 29 <laughs> and to get for dessert. They bought a bunch of eclairs. Chocolate cool. eclair, churro eclair, which was phenomenal. And then a French eclair, which she's a Frenchie. So it kind of works really well. But, <laughs> yeah. So I'm really intrigued to see how the starting unit works. Dean Lowry had a great year in 2021 and kind of came back down to earth last year. He's 28 on a two year deal. So when he hits free agency again, he'll be 30. He's only on an $8 million total contract. So it's not like he's being paid an exorbitant amount of money, Dave. He's being paid relatively well. So if you can get anything close to what Dalvin Thompson was last year from Dean Lowry, th- this is how you play money ball. And this is what Quasi Dofomenza is trying to do. He's trying to get peak production per dollar. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one way to do it is by saying, hey, this guy's going to make, I think Dalvin Thompson got like what? 13 to 15 million a year, a year from the right ball. and we couldn't afford him yeah so if you can get like you're paying dean lowry 25 to 30 percent of what you were going to be paying dalvin tomlinson okay so if you get 60 percent of the outcome that dalvin tomlinson was for that 30 percent dollar mark in theory you're gaining production from that spot because you're paying less. So it, mm. in that sense, like this is where analytics really comes into play. It's a output per dollar standpoint. It's one of the reasons why you talk a lot about getting a quarterback on a rookie contract. Kirk Cousins this year, like his salary was $35 million. If you got Kirk Cousins at $6 million because you drafted him in the first round, that's where the value equation really comes into play. All of a sudden, you can bring back Dalvin Tomlinson. And then you can go sign another defensive lineman. So all of a sudden you have two studs on the defensive line and you have that same quarterback. That's why value comes into play so much. And one of the things that Moneyball taught us was it's, this is baseball. So it's a little different, but it all equates in order to score. You have to get on base. I can't produce elite production from a Jason Giambi, but if I can get a guy who gets on base just as much as Jason Giambi, for a few hundred thousand dollars, maybe I can replicate enough runs with, with how I build out the rest of my team for that to be okay. And that's where things can really balance out. That's where you can have like some of these discrepancies. And it's it makes it an interesting proposition on how Quasi's trying to build this team. The Dean Lowry experiment's going to be one of those tells 
for all the reasons I just laid out. And I'm very intrigued to see how that can happen. This is going to be a fun one. Well, if he improves to where he was, right, say last year was an aberration for him, he's going to be a decent replacement. Yeah, absolutely. Both against the run and against the pass. So, yeah, this is. I'm hoping he does. Mm -hmm. Me too. And Charlie says we need a doer and not a go trier. Hey, Charlie, you you got to start somewhere. You can't pick up if you you know pick a whole bunch of all pros across your offense and defense. You'd be great, but nobody can do that. I wish so could. let's answer this because I, I find this interesting. Charlie, I, I understand the concept of what you're talking about. You want somebody who goes out and gets things done. You don't want somebody who goes out and tries things. The problem that we're going to run into as a Vikings organization right now is because Kwesi Dofo Mensa is so, such a different type of general manager, and he's really the first of his kind. Sashi Brown was about acquiring as many assets as humanly possible because eventually you're just going to hit on players. And then they got rid of Sashi Brown. They brought in John Dorsey. Dorsey hit on a bunch of guys. And then they ended up replacing him with Andrew Barry, who's really a good merger of the two. He started out as a traditional scout, became an analytics guy through the course of his journey in the in football. Kwesi is a an incredible thinker. He's unique outside the box. He has football people that he knows and trusts. And he, he has talked himself about how he is gone in and tried to learn the football side, spent a lot of time with scouts breaking down film, a lot of time with coaches, other front office personnel. So it's not like Quasi's football stupid. Quasi is not on the level of some of these football guys as far as their knowledge of true X's and O's. But what Quasi does is he takes all the possible data you can. And as a general manager, this is mainly your job. It's a lot less about grinding tape and more about making aggregate decisions based on the people that you put in places to succeed. And it's those decisions that matter. So Quasi has all these guys working for him and they give him all this data. It's his job in his brain to crunch that data and make the smart decisions. Big problem here is Dave. And to kind of get to a roundabout point about we need a doer, not a trier in because he's really the first of his kind and how he's going to structure things. You have to try it in order to see if it's going to be successful. And I I understand the epitome of why Charlie said that. And it makes sense. You want results now. You don't want to just throw stuff at a dartboard and hope it sticks. But the thing is, if you want it to stick, you have to figure out what hits the dartboard. And, well, it, and you're also cleaning up from Spielman, right? All the... A lot more grace with that. He has not been given enough grace as Eclair walks in and she agrees. Don't you, sweet girl? Yep. <laughs> yeah, he needs to be given a lot more grace, doesn't he? But Charlie, we all want to win and we all want strong, built, tough guys mm-hmm. on both sides of the line of scrimmage because we know that if you have strong lines of scrimmage on both sides, you're mm-hmm. going to win a lot of games. You throw that together with the quarterback. The one we haven't had since basically Tarkenton, you could put uh, Dante in there for a little bit. You need those things to win. Now, especially with the quarterback, you can get away with a few other things. But you've got to build that up. And he's, you know, since we went from 2017 and then the gutting of the defense after that and then trying to patch it to and fro and Spending on money or spending lots of money on people just to because we like them and they're ours puts the Vikings in a hole. And now it's got to, it's going to take a while to come out of that hole. No matter who you draft, you're not going to find this is what gets me when people talk about Ed Ingram sucks. He needs to be removed. He was so bad. He won the job over two veterans. He won the job. Secondly, it takes a while. I've preached it takes three years on average or more for an offensive lineman to make the transition from college to pros. Are there the exceptions? Yes, there are exceptions to those rules. 
Quentin Nelson, as a guard, came in, started, and excelled. But he was way above that. Out of every draft, how many players do that? You can count them on one hand. They're that few. And sometimes in some drafts, it's zero. It takes a while to build players up. Certain positions take time to mature. We talk Mm -hmm. about tight ends, getting Hawkinson. Why we want to extend Hawkinson. Hawkinson is such a good deal. He's at the end of his first contract. We can take that and extend him. The old saying is, you draft a tight end for his next team because it takes a tight end four years to make the transition. Does it take a running back that long? No. Does it take a wide receiver? Usually it takes a couple years for a wide receiver to step up. It's unusual when they go from rookie to top of the class in their first year. That's extremely unusual. It's super duper, if you want to call it that, unusual for a quarterback to ever do that. I think there's only been one rookie quarterback that I can think of that got that good, that quick. It takes time to build. You learn patience over the game. Yes, you want to put your best possible in the spaces with the resources you have. And it it takes time, and you're going to have to adjust. There's a time lag sort of deal. I would I would judge Quasi here in a couple years versus what he's done so far. Because last year, we did the draft, and then everybody got injured, it seemed like, except mm-hmm. for Ed Ingram. You can't blame Quasi on the injuries. Now, you could say, well, they were injured in college, True, but they were the best of what was available when we drafted at 20-whatever. Why do we draft at 20-whatever? Because we, you know, finish around 500 or better every season. So it's Mm -hmm. going to take a bit. Be patient. That's all I ask. Be patient and enjoy it. Enjoy the time while we wait. Because if you're going to be miserable all the way to wait until winning that Super Bowl, you're going to be miserable. You don't want to do that. You want to enjoy every bit between now and then. Yeah. We will win eventually. Mm-hmm. And and as we say at Score North, where you can find my other show, Purple Daily on Draft with Thor Nystrom. Just before I die. That's all I want. One before I die. No, I'm but greedy. I want like 20. But anyway. You know what? If I ask for 20, maybe I get none. If I ask for one and don't be too <laughs> greedy, maybe it actually shows up. No, but let's I'm, talk- I'm that far in life. I, I want to... Part of my life was growing up in New England, and I remember when they were losing and losing and losing and losing and losing. And they mm-hmm. first got to the playoffs, and Detroit kicked them out. I was at that game in November in a cold Foxborough, and or December, November, or December. Yeah, and the only way they could, well, they were already starting to talk about selling tickets, and then. About two minutes into that, it was like, oh, no, because Detroit blocked a field goal, ran it back for a touchdown one, and it kicked them out somehow, some way. The way it worked, because Detroit was playing an AFC team or whatever it was. But it was bad. And New Englanders didn't know a winning football program. They hadn't had one. Mm -hmm. Well, years of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, New Englanders are pretty stuck up about their football. Yeah. I want to get to that point. I want to be able to say, yeah, you know, we were so good. We won, you know, seven years out of 10. We were the best dynasty in all of football. I want to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would love to be able to say that too. But you know what? Just just give me one. And <laughs> we can talk on and on about this. But honestly, training camp, veterans report next week. One week from today on the 25th. We got to talk about this defensive line group. We kind of already talked about the front. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My player to watch this year is Kairos Tonga. I just released a article this morning for Vikings Wire talking about five players flying under the radar on defense. And Tonga was my number one. I really like what he brings to the table. And quite frankly, based on what I watched in his film at BYU, I didn't think he was going to be this type of player to be able to come in and take a huge leap as a pass rusher. But he's really got that quickness element down and he looks the part but he's not a guy that you want to rely on to be your uh, an every down pass rusher. He's a guy that you only want to play around five, 600 snaps at most. You want to rotate him consistently throughout the course of a game and let him pick his spots. But when he picks that spot, he had 10 pressures last year in like less than 300 total snaps. Tonga is a very talented guy and he's showing that the quickness element is a really big part of his game that I didn't see nearly as much on his college tape. And maybe we can attribute that to the strength and conditioning programs, how different they are from the NFL to BYU. I'm not quite sure what that bridging the gap is, but I will say see it in Chicago either when he was in Chicago. Well, it's also Chicago. They're in the midst of the rebuild and they were a dumpster fire. And and that's not an insult. That's what they were trying to accomplish. And Uh, sometimes it's hard for talented players to stand out in the worst situations. And that's why I think we really need to pay attention to Justin Fields. And I think he's going to break out big this year because his situation is now massively improved in his third season. Just there's something to be aware of. I, I still got to learn to throw the football. That that's, that's kind of a myth. He's, he's, he's got some issues throwing the football, but people will look at the raw stats and be like, Oh, he can't throw the football. No, he can. He didn't have anybody to throw him to, nor did he have an offensive line. So they had to adjust accordingly. And look, they had a brutal year last year. They got a top pick. And now you're looking at a team that could be significantly improved this year. I still don't think they'll contend for division. I do think they have a chance to make the playoffs uh, in a weak NFC with a good season. But it's 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 going to be interesting. Um, oh, perfect. We got a response from Charlie on, on the, the doer and trier thing. Um, says that I appreciate the insight from y'all, but I'm on the other side of the fence with Quasi and O'Connell. You can only fake it so long without making it. Their ability to talk in circles will age quickly. I'll counter with this, Charlie. Everybody talks themselves in circles at press conferences because they have to. That's what they do. That's part of the business. They did win 13 games last year with a roster that they wanted to turn over with aging veterans. And I think that they've earned grace to see how this is going to play out. I can understand being on the fence still, but I, I think when you look at the one result, year, yeah, when you look at the results from last year, like it's hard to not be on, on the side of O'Connell. Quasi, it's going to, he's going to, we're going to be expecting a lot from those draft picks this year. We really are. And if they don't perform very well as a, an aggregate whole, then I'm going to start having real questions about Quasi Ovenza as a draft evaluator and decision maker. And uh, the team that he's built to try and get us to that Super Bowl. But you have to give time for draft classes because you can't expect a lot of success early on. And it showed last year the only player that really played a lot early on was Ed Ingram. Why? He won the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other guys didn't win the job. That's why they didn't play. So it, it, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, and I, I completely understand the hesitation from Charlie there. Let's continue to talk about this defensive line. Two guys I want to spend some time talking about are Asezi Otomewo, the fifth round pick last year from Minnesota, and uh, Jaqual and Roy, who you mentioned earlier, Dave. Mm-hmm. And that uh, he was the fifth round pick this year. Now, even though he was a fifth round pick this year, he was at the top of the fifth round. So it's basically like a, uh, a low four. Like He was 141. That's, a vi- that's like, I think it was like the second or third pick in the fifth round. So uh, you could basically call him a fourth round pick at the same time. Like it's not like we're taking him at 180. Oda was 165 or 167. I can't remember. He and Ty Chandler were those two picks. 
the big thing with Otomewal, it's like 6'5", 300 pounds, or he was 285 in Minnesota. I think he's up to 300. He is a guy built to play five technique in the NFL in a 3-4. And we talked about that five technique where you got to set the edge, you got to line up over the tackle. In a 4-3, it's different because you're you're defensive end with the five technique, and then you have a one tech, a three tech, and then you usually have a seven tech or a wide nine, which was that Everson Griffin role where he would line up way wide to attack the quarterback. So that's how that was structured. Otomewo feels to me like he could grow into like a Cam Hayward type, where I, Cam Hayward's excellent, and I don't I don't think he has that kind of ceiling. But I'm talking like a play style where he holds the line. He can shoot a gap on the inside to be able to take out the quarterback a time or two and stop the run. I like what Odomewo brings to the table. He only played in five games last year, 89 total snaps. But that was a redshirt year, essentially, for him. Get used to the NFL. Get on the NFL strength and conditioning program and learn how to play the game. All right. Uh, this will be the last I say about it. Um, Matthew, I you have every right to your opinion, and I respect that. I don't think it's fair to call him awful at his job when so much of what he's doing needs a two to three year sample size. I, I think I, as much as it sucks, we got to be patient. I need a drink. <laughs> I'm only drinking water. I just needed to get some liquid in my throat. I got you. It's hot and dusty down here. Yeah, I need no, plenty we, of liquid myself. We had the air off here all day, and it's um the the dogs were playing, and they got some ice cubes. They drank a lot of water. Um, this is uh, it's it was a really warm day here, but we had some fun. Um, next we got to talk about Chacol and Roy, and he's interesting. Now, one of the things why he's so interesting to me this year, Dave, as a fifth round pick. His comp was Dalvin Tomlinson. He's only 300 pounds, but he's able to play nose. He's able to play five tech, three tech. Anywhere along the line. His best position, unfortunately, is nose tackle. But at 300 pounds, that doesn't fly. And is he going to be that impactful if you put on an extra 30, 40 pounds? That's a dangerous game that that teams like to play. Oh, you can just pack on weight. Well, it's not always that simple. So if it's 10 pounds and you have a guy who's just super skinny and you put on the right type of weight and you put on slow and steady. Yeah, that absolutely works. But I fear that if you put on too much weight on Jaquel and Roy, you're in a tough spot. I think this is the type of guy on third down. He's playing nose tackle for you. Third and seven third and 10 and you you're asking him to rush the passer. Well, that's his bread and butter. That's what he's best at. So you can put him as your nose and feel pretty good about it. Every down where you're asking him to two gap, the running game. You're probably, and this is where the Dalvin Tomlinson comp, I think really fits because Tomlinson on rundowns was playing farther outside. Passing downs came inside. And I think that's where you're going to see what you call and Roy. I'm intrigued to see him once he gets on the field. I would expect him to get a decent snap share, maybe 25 to 30%. I think he plays the James Lynch role from last year. Um, spoiler, I don't think James Lynch makes the team. I really don't. I He doesn't have a ceiling for me. His ceiling is where he's at. And to me, that's an issue. That is something you can't develop. You can't develop athleticism with a guy you like his big thing was he won with power and he won with effort at Baylor. And there's a place for that guy in the NFL. The problem is now that he's going to year four, are you getting anything more out of him? Are you going to keep him on the roster and maybe uh, risk cutting a guy like Joe Colin Roy who was in first round mocks going into the 2022 season? Like this is a guy with a lot of talent. We'll see how he can grow and develop under Brian Flores. And Chris Rumpf is a fantastic defensive line coach. Uh, he's at a lot of spots. I got to know him being a Florida Gator fan in Florida. And if there's one thing that, that Florida is a very frustrating school to be a fan of for the last decade. But the one thing that they've been really good at, they send defensive linemen to the NFL and they play well. 
we have one of them. His name is Jonathan Bullard. I am not sure Bullard is going to make the team either. He was brought in last year as a Vic Fangio guy because he spent his entire career in the NFL playing in Vic Fangio's defense. So the idea was, okay, we have a spot on our roster open. Let's bring in a defensive lineman to help teach these guys how to play in this defense. Bullard ended up starting 12 or played 12 games, started seven. He played pretty well. He was a slightly above replacement level kind of guy. There's value to that. But I think where he's at versus James Lynch, I think Bullard would be the guy to stay if they have to like pick between them. And I think you just, the whole theme of the season is just running with young guys. We're going to try to win, but we're just going to have to rely on young talent to help us do that. And that's where Jaqual and Roy, Sezio Otomewo, guys like Ty Chandler, Jordan Addison, Lewis Seen, Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth Jr., Brian Asamoa. You're asking a lot of young guys to contribute. And you know what? At a certain point, you're just going to have to ask some guys to contribute and make an impact. And that's, that's going to be the story of the 2023 season. Can they make that impact? We'll find out. Should be interesting. I can't wait to watch them, especially in the preseason. See how they start to rotate them, how Brian Flores wants them used because he's going to be sending pressure mm-hmm. from all over. And those linemen are going to be doing all sorts of weird, funky stunts, I suspect. And yes, how he rotates them in to maximize them on certain plays. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah. Um, one guy I want to mention, because I don't think there's of, of this group, there's a lot of players, but I, I don't think like Ross Blacklock, he struggled so much last year. I don't expect him to make the team. Junior Aho, I don't know enough about yet. Uh, he is the international pathway player. But right. what Aho is, he, he played in college last year. So he's at, at SMU. So it's not like he's he's just coming over from France, kind of like a Moritz Boringer was you know, <laughs> when he came over from Germany. Then TJ Smith, Sheldon Day, I don't expect either of those guys to make the team. Day could end up back on the practice squad like he was last year. Calvin Avery. The nose tackle from Illinois, talented player, true nose tackle, like 340 pound nose tackle. He's got quickness. He's got the ability to, to two gap. He can uh, shed a block and be able to get um, into the running back's face, make a tackle. I like him a lot. And I thought he'd be drafted in the fourth or fifth round. This is a, a UDFA. And historically, Dave, nose tackles aren't valued super high. Unless you're just a freak of nature athlete. Vince Wilfork for his size was a freak of nature athlete. Jordan Davis, Mozzie Smith, freak of nature athletes. Avery's a decent athlete, but he's not that kind of guy. And those guys don't get valued very high in the draft, but they do play well. And I think that he's a guy that can play well for the Minnesota Vikings on a long-term basis. I'm very excited to see what he's going to bring to this team and how things are going to project forward with him. And because of the, the volatility of the nose tackle position and how it's so important in this style of defense, I think he's a UDFA, probably the best chance to make the team. Interesting. You have Ivan Pace, you have Andre Carter. I think those guys can easily make the team. Uh, you have Alan Ali, who I'm very high on at guard center who I think will make the team over Austin Schlotman, especially because I, I have real questions about Schlotman's ability to come back from that injury. Um, Vikings wire uh, writer, Kevin Fielder, who has been on this program before he broke his leg in a similar way to both Lewisine and Austin Schlotman. He broke his doing something completely different than sports, but it's a very difficult injury to come back of. And he was telling me the other day that his leg was still swelling. And it's been over a year. Damn. It's been over 18 months. That sounds something like, wrong. It shouldn't be doing that. Well, I, I think it's because he's putting a lot of like weight on it constantly. Like uh, he's been in, he's on vacation. He's walking around. Like uh, my mother-in-law broke her ankle on the side of a, a mountain a year and a half ago in Arizona. And she still deals with some, um, some pain from it. Like, I, I just think that in a general sense is normal, but 
it's very difficult to come back from, especially when you're playing a position in the NFL that requires a lot of anchoring, a lot of strength, a lot of quickness off the ball. Like I, I can see Schlotman being a guy that gets overlooked and you keep a guy like Alan Ali, especially because you have Chris Reed. Ali's got a lot of center experience. He also has experience playing left guard when he was at SMU because he followed Sonny Dykes to TCU this past year. He played in the national championship game. I, I fit like, not to get on a UDFA tangent, but I think those are guys that, to really watch out. This is going to be a fun camp. I see some chat, um, how the off season has really flown by. It really has. Um, we, the nice part about the off season is that's when we started the show. You guys haven't even seen the real Forno show on Vikings first in school for an actual game yet. And you guys are still here hanging out with us. And we greatly appreciate you spending the time. This is going to be a really fun season and we're going to be back tomorrow. We are going to be talking about edge rushers, which that's going to be a hot topic, but it's going to be a fun topic because this is a very intriguing group. And next week we're going to have linebackers and corners. We're going to finish up the week after with safeties. We're not going to do specialists because I just don't feel like there's enough to talk about with the specialists. But (laughs) if there's four of them out there, the question is who wins the kicking battle? uh, I, I Joseph would have to like, have his legs snap and have, and have to blow it. And to answer the question that's in the chat, the first preseason game is August 10th, 5 p.m. on KL, KTLK TV at Seattle. And that is the, uh, that's the NFL network one, if I remember correctly. It's the only one that's going to be national. So. Mm-hmm. And then exactly a month afterwards, we open up at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the throwback throwback classic uniform modeled here by CJ Ham. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be so awesome. I'm very excited for the season. I'm very away to see how this is gonna go. Um in the meantime, Dave, that is our show. Defensive line group, void of top-end talent, but really intriguing depth. And I think this could be a real weakness for the team. When you look at the final four teams from last year, you know what they all had? Really strong defensive lines. The Chiefs, it was mainly Chris Jones, but they had some decent complementary pieces. Eagles, loaded on the defensive line. They always are. The Bengals, they had really good edge rushers and DJ Reader. DJ Reader, one of the most underrated players in all of football. San Francisco 49ers, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw. Oh, they're yeah. loaded there too. And they got better with Javon Hargrave. Like that, that's a really good unit there. Like I, said, I want to see what Brian Flores does. Florida's going to do more for this defense than Ed Donatel hindered this defense last year. I really believe that he is such a talented and intelligent individual when it comes to how he constructs a game plan, how he attacks. And I'm very intrigued to see how that all works. Now to answer my worthless opinions question, I am drinking nine banded bourbon. It is aged here in Austin. It's very good. Named after the state animal, the armadillo. It has the Texas funk. However, it is not distilled in Texas. It is distilled in Indiana and then shipped down in vats and then put in the barrels here. Mm -hmm. It is a sourced bourbon is the technical name for it, but it still has some of the Texas funk. They will grow big enough. They will start their own distillery, just like TX TX bourbon did. Texas bourbon. A lot of companies get their start that way, where they sort or source their whiskey and then age it and do whatever they want to down here until Mm -hmm. they get big enough to create their own distillery, build that up, and they distill their own. But that's what it is. Rap is here. Hey, I want to go through and acknowledge everybody that showed up. Rap, thank you for showing up. Justin, I know, was here as well. Mr. Bob Swede, Dr. Proto, 
Charlie, thanks for the good back and forth today. My worthless opinion, good to have you again. John, awesome to see you here. Brian, you are always welcome, my friend. Who else am I missing? Raymond, of course, Raymond. Julian is here. Uh, there's Justin, Julian. I'm scrolling through. Matthew, good to see, good to see. The, of course, the doctor, Dr. Proto himself. Stephen, it's great to see you as well. And who else? Of course, Davy Chains. And the wonderful and beautiful, as always, Miss Mary was here tonight as well. And we want to thank you. And Mary, I personally want to thank you because I got something in the mail today. <laughs> it is wonderful. Thank you, Mary. Mary, what a gem. What a gem. And we'll leave you there. We'll see you tomorrow night as we continue to talk about the state of the Minnesota Vikings roster. And we're going to talk about the edge rushers. Very intriguing group. And mm-hmm. there's a lot to discuss. In the meantime, thank you very much for joining. Training camp is here, baby. We'll be here next week talking about it. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. The one thing we always say, Skull Vikings. And as you saw there, Justin's show starts at the top of the hour. He's part of Vikings First and Skull as well. And we say, Skull Vikings! Like. Subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.